0: Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And I am your host, Jeremiah. Welcome to the program. We have a great program in store for you today. This is definitely one I think you're going to want to listen to again. So don't forget to subscribe to the Jeremiah Johnston Show podcast. And again, thanks for all the people leaving us those five-star reviews. We're so delighted to know uh, that you're finding this program useful and encouraging in your own Christian heart and life. Uh, I'm also thankful for literally the hundreds of pastors that we're hearing from that are enjoying this broadcast, and you're especially going to enjoy it today because my guest in the next segment is Pastor Greg Laurie. Uh, Pastor Greg Laurie started Harvest Christian Fellowship, a network of churches now across uh, southern california both in riverside and orange county uh, but he is also god is using this man all over the world with his harvest christian crusades and nearly six million uh, have attended those uh, more about that in a moment but friends i want to encourage you again the whole mission of this program is to help you be aware of what our culture is asking of our faith and friends when we love jesus christ with our heart soul and mind which is the greatest commandment mark 12 matthew 22:37). We have to be prepared as believers in Christ to demonstrate why Christianity is believable, why it's acceptable, why it's worthy of our trust and obedience, and why it is a force for good in the world. Make no mistake, the world would be a force. Far different place if there were no Christians. There are a lot of people that just wish religion in general and Christianity in specific would go away, but guess what? That would be hell on earth. That would not be the kind of world you or I would want to live in. And friends, we can't forget that a battle is raging for the hearts and minds of people all around us. There's so much confusion, but don't allow the cultural confusion to confuse your spiritual life because never forget the scales of truth tip in our favor. And I want to say this to you again, and I'm going to keep reminding this. I'm going to keep reminding you of this fact. There is more evidence available today to prove the claim of Christianity than at any other time in history. And yet, the sad reality is, most Christians are not equipped to answer even the most uh, elementary or pedestrian questions about your faith. And friends, that's okay. That's, why, that's where this program steps in you to equip you, yes, with entertaining interviews as we're just going to have with Pastor Greg, but he is going to drop so much wisdom on us about how to be a winsome uh, evangelist, a winsome spokesman for the faith. Uh, Because we can all remember a time when we were silent. I can remember a time in my Christian journey when I wasn't able to answer those questions. And I remember reading C.S. Lewis, and he wrote in Christian Apologetics, the power to translate is the test of having really understood a meaning. And this is where Bible reading gets exciting. This is where the Christian faith gets exciting. when We're not just reading it, but we're able to translate it to others. And friends, our world is in so, so much need of hope. And that's precisely the ambition of this program to give you the equipping and the hope that you need to a lost world that truly needs it. Now, friends, as I said, our joining us today is Pastor Greg Laurie. Um, and be sure to submit your questions to me at www.askjjj.com. And especially even those of you who aren't listening in our live program across the Faith Radio Network, don't forget you can participate as well through our podcast audience submitting the questions the same way. And never forget, I get lots of questions. We have all kinds of resources available at ChristianThinkers.com, Amazon, uh, the books and the Bible studies that I've been honored to write for you, both the Unanswered book, Bible study, and video series, and actually just released The Dark Side. I get received so many questions about the paranormal, so I would encourage you to check that out as well. Now, friends, uh, buckle your seatbelt. This is going to be an exciting program today. Uh, I'm so excited to discuss not only Greg's new book, but I'm also excited to ask him about what his personal unanswered question is we ask that of all our guests so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the past programs as well to listen to our guests and myself share some of the unanswered questions that we have journeyed through in our Christian life friends you're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston show and the mission of my life is to help you understand your faith better truly to inspire Christians to be thinkers and thinkers to be Christian we'll be back in 90 seconds with Pastor Greg Laurie And welcome back to the program. This is Jeremiah, your host. Friends, this is the Jeremiah Johnston Show where we encourage you to go to God's Word and not Google with your most difficult questions. This is also the place where hopefully we don't tell you what to think, but we teach you and inspire you how to think with a biblical world and life view and friends you're definitely going to be doing that as you join our discussion today i have joining me live on the program right now pastor greg laurie a hero of the faith of so many of us Uh, pastor greg thanks so much for coming into the program today
1: jeremiah great to be with you thanks for having me on
0: Friends, you probably know Pastor Greg, but for those of you who don't, and for those of you who are listening not only live right now, but across the podcast, you would know Pastor Greg. He's had over nearly six million people attend his Harvest Crusades all over the world. He's known for his Communication skills. He's known for being a local church pastor as well at Harvest uh, Church there in Southern California, where they have multiple campuses now. Um, and friends, we are so blessed also to have him as a voice for the kingdom. Who I want to say is very cool. So, Pastor Greg, you are a you are a cool, great voice for the Lord. And I want to start I want to start this way because uh, Audrey and I we follow you and Kathy on Instagram. And uh, we just think you guys are like the coolest grandparents we've ever seen, by the way. And uh, I want to ask you just to kick off, because I'm so excited about the new book that you just launched, Jesus Revolution. Pastor Greg, were you a hippie, and how does that play into the the book itself?
1: (laughs) Yes, I was, Jeremiah. I had long hair in a beard think of the guys in duck dynasty i look like one of them i posted a (laughs) photo recently of the way i looked and i in fact it's a photo of me in the ugliest tuxedo you've ever seen i just performed a wedding it may have been my first wedding and i thought who would want a guy like this performing their wedding you know but uh this is back in the era when everyone not everyone but many people had long hair and beards and such but uh, you know that that was the time I came to faith you know because I became a christian yes. in 1970 so you know we're starting a new decade and the 60s have run their course and And it was a very dark time in American history. It was a time of a sexual revolution. It was a time of a drug revolution. And as things went from bad to worse, especially culminating in 1968, which was like the worst year ever, Hmm. you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. Young men were coming home daily in body bags from Vietnam in this war with no end in sight. There were riots in the streets. And so in the time of revolution, God intervened and sent a Jesus revolution. And what's interesting about it, Jeremiah, is we didn't call it that. We called it the Jesus movement, but Time magazine, and I think very accurately, dubbed it a Jesus revolution.
0: Mm. And set the context for us, Pastor Greg, because we have people from all different ages listening. This was also a time when, I think just a few years prior, if I'm not mistaken, Time had basically asked, is God dead?
1: That's correct. In fact, there's two Time Magazine covers that sort of sum it all up. The Time Magazine late 60s, it may have been 67 or 68, sort of this ominous black cover with reversed out red letters with this question, is God dead? And then just a few years later, they had this psychedelic image of Jesus on their cover, Jesus revolution. You know, what a difference a revival makes. And now looking back in retrospect, I think this was a spiritual awakening. I think it was a legitimate, full-scale revival, no question about it. And so this this changed history. It changed America, and it certainly changed the church.
0: And I want to I pause there for a moment because I think we really need to appreciate for a moment uh, the fact of how church is done now. Really, the seeds were sown with the Jesus movement. Can you just walk us through some of the ways in which church might have been different in the late 60s, early 70s, and what we have today as a church thanks to the Jesus revolution?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, one of the big controversies of the day is when John Lennon, in an interview, John Lennon of the Beatles, said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. So, Mm. you know, some churches, I don't know where in the South, they were burning Beatle records and all this. And I thought, here's the thing. John Lennon had a point. For many young kids, the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. The church was largely disconnected at this time, culturally. Uh, They were answering questions no one was asking, and they weren't answering the questions the kids were asking. Think Mm. about this, Jeremiah. You have a generation of young people back then looking for peace, love, joy, purpose, meaning. I mean, we have all those answers in a relationship with Christ. In fact, I think the hippie dream, the hippie mythology, was really just pointing to the true uh, solution in Christ himself. And I found that to be true for myself personally. But um, so there were churches that, that, that they didn't get it. So God started pouring his spirit out, and all these young kids are coming to faith. And I think the churches that opened their doors to the Jesus people, as they were called, Experience revival and for the churches that did not open their doors to them said hey go get a haircut and we'll talk to you later uh they missed it and so here's some of the things that we have today that came from the jesus movement contemporary christian music it did not exist before the jesus movement most churches of that day would have a piano and an organ maybe a harp and for good measure and maybe if they're on the cutting edge acoustic guitar yeah (laughs) i mean so like you know electric guitars amplifiers keyboards drum kits and all the stuff we have today that did not exist so we saw contemporary christian music born before our eyes and we also saw contemporary christian uh, worship born before our eyes as we started writing fresh choruses and new songs to honor the lord with that's where it started and of course now it's an industry for better and for worse i might add But, uh, Mm. you know, so much of the music we hear in our churches today, all of that started in the Jesus movement. One other thing I'd throw in, startup churches. You rarely heard of a startup church back in those days. Now it's not unusual to see some cool dude, you know, with tattoos starting the (laughs) church up wherever. We see it all the time. Back then, no one was doing that. In fact, our church may have been one of the first startup churches ever back in 1973 or 4. Amazing. And that's what I was
0: going to mention that, Pastor Greg, what I love about it and what I think were really the fruit of it is how church centric this great awakening was. I agree with you. I think it was really the fourth great awakening in American history. Mm-hmm. And what I love is you come to Christ and it's charted start a church. I mean, it wasn't done. It was not done outside the church. There was a church centrism to this movement. And and was that yeah. thanks to people like Pastor Chuck Smith and others who really saw evangelism in the church, married not as not as co as coexisting, but not, not uh, against one another.
1: Yeah, very much so. You know, Chuck has been called by some the father of the Jesus movement. I think that's a deserved title because he was a father figure for many. But, uh, you know, there were different expressions of, of the Jesus revolution in different places. For instance, up in L.A., they kind of had their own version of it. But the problem was it sort of mirrored the culture. So the hmm. whole popular cultural things then were like marches and love-ins and a free yes. paper they would give out kind of an underground newspaper so there were christian marches christian love-ins minus the sex of course oh. <laughs> uh, and then uh you know and then a christian free paper so when the sort of hippie deal had run its course and that those things weren't popular anymore that expression of the jesus movement in la didn't really have much left where meanwhile down in costa mesa california Uh, where the Jesus movement happened, we were in a church. And so when it was all said and done, it was a church, and we understood how important the church was. Different organizations picked up on the Jesus movement, like Campus Crusade and others, and supported it. But ultimately, the reason it had legs in California in particular was because it was in a church, and it resulted in a bunch of new churches being planted. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned as a pastor... You know, it's all about the church, ultimately, And, and the more we do to support the work of the local church, the better what we are doing is, and if we're creating other things that compete with the church or even deplete the church, I'm not a big fan of that
0: so powerful. My my guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie, the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship campuses across Southern California and the Hawaiian Islands. You've probably attended one of his Harvest Crusades. And friends, I want to encourage you. I give my unqualified endorsement to his brand new book published by Revell Baker Books, Jesus Revolution, how God transformed an unlikely generation and how he can do it again today. Now, Pastor Greg, on the other side of this, this break, I want to ask you about something. You said something profound a moment ago. And I love it because you discussed that the context of the Jesus Revolution was the church was having a conversation that nobody was in the real world. They weren't answering the questions people were actually asking. On the other side of this break, I'm going to ask Pastor Greg what the Jesus Revolution has to say for us today because I fear we might be falling into that same trap. Friends, we're going to take a 90-second break. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. This is Jeremiah Friends. I have Pastor Greg Laurie joining us today on the program. And Pastor Greg, I want to set the context for this next question for you. I was teaching a couple of years ago a course at the university level on the Old Testament. And friends, by the way, if you want to know, I, the Old Testament is extremely important to the Christian movement. Jesus' famous sermon, his programmatic sermon, Luke chapter four, is quoting Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Uh, the Old Testament is extremely important to the New Testament. And, friends, I want to just share this with you for a moment. And, Pastor Greg, I think it will put in context the question that I would like you to speak about. I polled that Old Testament course. How many of you have heard of Dr. Billy Graham? I had 37 students in my class. This is a Christian university context. It was a multiple-choice answer, and only one of 37 students rightly answered who Billy Graham is at the time. And I think that that is indicative of we are living in a biblical illiteracy world that is I think one step away from heresy in many ways because we don't really know what the truth has to say. We're having conversations at the university level, the seminary level. I say this as a professor, as I say this as someone who's done events at universities. We're often having conversations uh, that nobody in the real church world is actually having or caring about. I mean, this is why I did an entire book, Unanswered, after receiving 10,000 text-messaged questions from people in the church. And we also know, Pastor Greg, Christians don't gossip. They just share prayer requests, right? <laughs> and where, where do we go with our unanswered questions? And so... I want you to set the context for us. of and Friends, we're talking about his book, Jesus Revolution. You just have to get this. Go to Amazon. Buy it right now because there's so much truth in what happened in the Jesus Revolution. And how does that speak to revival today? And that's a scary word. I know I'm asking you many questions. But what does it have to say for our generation today that we're so concerned about?
1: Well, I think that uh, we should not be afraid of the word revival. I think we overly mystify the word Uh, What is a revival? A restoration. Think about a super cool restored car. You know, I have a 67 Mustang Fastback. Uh, It's a painted green. It's called the bullet car, similar to the one Steve McQueen drove in the film Bullet. So that's a restored car. That's a beautiful thing. What's a a revival? It's restoration. Restored to what? Restored to the church that Jesus started. In other words, let's get as close to that first century church as we possibly can, and we'll be better for it. So, one thing that I bring up with revival is you know, if you want to see a revival, do revival like things. Just the other day, we had a baptism down at a place called Pirates Cove in Newport Beach, California. This was the site of the famous Jesus movement baptisms of the 70s and they were on the cover of time magazine another magazine so it was a big deal so i thought well let's just go back there and do it again so we had around i don't know 2000 2500 people show up we baptized 550 people and it just occurred to me if you want to see a revival do revival like things for instance let's say jeremiah you know you told me oh my marriage isn't as vibrant as it once was i feel like we're losing the romance i'd say hey jeremiah what did you do with your wife when you first started going out? Probably took her to dinner. Hmm. You, dressed, you dressed up nicely. You complimented her. I said, if you want romance, do romantic things, and the emotions will catch up. The same is true for revival. So here's like five earmarks of the Jesus movement. I bring this out of my book, Jesus Revolution. Number one, there was a sense of anticipation in the service. Nobody came to church late. We came expecting God to move, expecting something to happen. You know, there's a need for anointed preaching today, but I also think there's a need for anointed listening. You know, Mm. giving our attention with intention. Uh, Number two there was heartfelt and passionate worship. As I mentioned, contemporary Christian worship was born before our eyes. And, you know, when everybody sang, everyone engaged. You weren't a spectator. You were offering the sacrifice of praise. Number three, there was Bible exposition. And this is why it was sustained in California with Pastor Chuck Smith when other expressions of it didn't do as well. Because Chuck exposited scripture. We learned to love the scripture. We wanted to hear what the Bible had to say. Uh, Number four, there was evangelism. In pretty much every service, no matter what the topic was, the net was thrown, and people were invited to come to Christ. And I think if churches would do more of that today, they would see a big change. And fifth and lastly, we believe Jesus was coming. We believed he could come in our lifetime. Now, of course, it's been many years since then, but, hey, I still believe that, Jeremiah. And I think when we live in a way where we believe the Lord could come back at any moment, it will impact us in the, in the way we live. Because as the first John reminds us, he that has this hope, that is the hope of the Lord's return, purifies himself even as he is pure.
0: Powerful. My guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship. He's written a best-selling book, Jesus Revolution. I want to encourage you to get it. Pastor Greg, what would you say to millennials listening uh, who've just grown weary of their church experience? Perhaps they've lost that first love. Uh, What's your message to them?
1: Well, actually, the whole book is a message to them because I sat down and wrote it with Ellen Vaughn. Ellen's a very, very good writer, great storyteller, New York Times bestselling author actually wrote most of Chuck Colson's most popular books with him. So Ellen and I sat down and we asked ourselves the question, who are, we write, who are we writing this book to? I said, well, Ellen, look, I know my generation will be interested in it because we lived it, but I said, let's write it to a millennial. Let's write it as though I'm sitting across a cup of coffee in some hipster coffee shop with a guy wearing a man bun, making, a, making us an espresso. <laughs> And, uh, and we're talking, and I'm saying to this kid, listen, here's what God did in my youth. Here's what God did in the last great spiritual awakening. Could he do it for yours? You know, it's kind of funny, Jeremiah, is there's so many parallels. I mean, look at all the tech we've gone through. In my day, you know, we started with vinyl records. Then we went to 8-tracks. Then we went to cassettes. Then we went to CDs. Now we download everything. So what's really popular <laughs> among kids today Vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> we <talk laughs> we've come again. full circle. <laughs> yeah, and they're still listening to the uh, same bands I used to listen to. You know, the bands I grew up on are popular today. There's some interesting parallels between that time and our time. You know, we were into things being real, organic, authentic. We didn't like things slick and polished. And I think realistically, millennial kids come to a lot of our mega churches. And everything is so slick and produced and polished that, you know, they're looking for a real encounter with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the church needs to wake up. We need to adapt to the times we're living in without compromising our core principles. But I think that uh I, I you know, so the question is, you know, what would I say? I wrote a whole book to say mm-hmm. that, to say this can happen in your generation. So I don't think we can make it happen. I do think revival's a sovereign work of God. However, we can prepare the ground, or maybe I should say we can pre prayer the ground, be praying, follow the template of Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which of course says God speaking, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We would all like to see America healed Well, let's do our part and start praying.
0: Mm -hmm. Friends, our guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie. And Pastor, we only have 60 seconds before our next break, but can you just comment for a moment on the role of the Holy Spirit in the Jesus movement? Because I think he's often the forgotten member of the Trinity. I know you teach on the Holy Spirit a lot. Can you talk about the power and the role of the Holy Spirit in the movement?
1: Yes, uh, he played a key role, and he was uh, at work in our hearts. And, you know, one of the verses we love to quote, Uh, was it's from the day of pentecost when peter says god says in the last days i'll pour my spirit out on all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions and we sort of saw that as maybe applying to the jesus movement you know you're uh pouring the spirit out on sons and daughters but um you know that's the thing god's holy spirit was at work and i think i would add that to my list of things of the five earmarks of the Jesus movement, is there was an openness to the move of the Spirit. And I think today maybe we overly organize everything, overly structure everything, and we need to just give room to how the Holy Spirit would lead. And, you know, one of the things about Pastor Chuck Smith that I talk about a lot in this book is, and by the way, uh, it's been five years since he went to be with the Lord, but, you know, he gave a lot of young guys and young girls a chance to serve god i mean he literally gave me the keys to a church when i was 20 years old now maybe that's not as remarkable as the fact that i was i became a christian at 17 so i had been a believer basically for three years when i started pastoring And, and i already had a little flock of people of about 500 at that point that had grown out of a bible study but the point is there was a willingness to take risks that's what we need more of today
0: Friends, our guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie. We're discussing his new book just released less than a month ago, Jesus Revolution, How God Transformed an Unlikely Generation and How He Can Do It Today. We just heard a powerful word from Pastor Greg about five ways in which we can see revival happen today. And I know that that is what so many of us are praying for. We have one more segment with Pastor Greg. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. Friends, don't change that dial. Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm your host, Jeremiah. And, friends, this is a program that you're going to want to listen to again and again. I've been talking with Pastor Greg Laurie, a hero, a giant in the faith for so many of us. Of course, he's pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship, and you've likely. Attended one of his Harvest Crusades. Living here in Texas, uh, I've seen the impact, doc, uh, the impact, Pastor Greg, of the Harvest Crusades all over the state. Thank you so much uh, for your love for evangelism, Pastor and friends. I want to encourage you to follow him on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. That's at Greg Laurie. You want to connect with him because the wisdom that he's dropping on this program, uh, you can hear, hear regularly. Via his social media, and then go to harvest.org. That is kind of the orbit of his whole world of crusades and publishing, his daily radio program. So go to harvest.org if you're liking what you're listening to now and you want to connect further with his ministry. Pastor Greg, thank you so much for your, what you said in the last segment, your love for evangelism. I know that you love to talk about this subject, but I just want to ask you, and friends, we're discussing the Jesus Revolution, his brand new book that's just been released, How God Transformed an Unlikely Generation, and How He Can Do It Again Today. Can you just wax for a minute, Pastor Greg, about what you are seeing um, about the power of evangelism today? You talked a moment ago about the ability to pull the net and to actually call people to Christ, and we hear people that say that doesn't work today. What's your answer?
1: Well, I think it's, the days of saying crusade evangelism are over are over you know we ju- just you talked about texas we were just at ATT t stadium this is our second time there the first time we went we had 80,000 people show up probably more we turned people away wow. for an overtly evangelistic event really billy graham style you mentioned billy graham and you know it was like you know contemporary christian music but then what I call proclamation evangelism, and I think this is an issue in the church today. You know, we spend more of our time, Jeremiah, convincing pastors to support an evangelistic event than anything else. I I just Mm. can't believe Mm. how we've gotten away from this, and God is never going to stop using the proclamation of the gospel because the scripture says it's to the foolishness of preaching people will believe or literally the preached thing – And so the idea is God primarily chooses to save non-believers through the verbal articulation of the gospel. Don't ask me why, but he does. As Romans asks, how will they hear unless someone tells them? So when it's all said and done, you need to engage people in conversations, and I call them evangelistic conversations where you're, you're intentional. Sure, you build a bridge, you talk about whatever you want to talk about, because the the um, objective in evangelism is to build a bridge, not burn it. It's to mm. win the soul, not necessarily just win an argument. And if you want to win some, you need to be winsome. So be a nice person. Have a pleasant conversation. Take an interest in the person you're talking with, but look for an opening or an opportunity to tell them about what Jesus Christ has done for you.
0: Mm. And Pastor, so many people have come to Christ in your events. I was interviewing uh, Craig Hazen a few months ago, who now leads a great apologetics program at Biola, and I mean he came to Christ at one of your rallies. And isn't it encouraging oh, wow. for you to think about You know, there's a guy that is really teaching the world how to defend the gospel, and it was a Greg Laurie crusade, and he thought he was too smart to attend. He was at Cal Berkeley, if I remember correctly, and friends, you can listen to that on our ChristianThinkers.com website, but how how does it make you feel that you're really passing the baton that was given to you by empowerment? One thing I love about your ministry is you empower young people to preach the gospel and to use their spiritual gifts. Why is that?
1: Well, I'm just doing my job, you know it's like a relay race i have up i'm looking at my shelf right now and i have a little baton up there and that was given to me at an event years ago put on by campus crusade for christ and bill bright was there sort of handing the baton on to us and then we hand the baton on to someone else it's not ours to keep it's not ours to possess it's the gospel it's the sacred trust of the gospel every generation needs to bring the gospel to their generation so you know while i'm here i want to reach as many people as i can but then i want to hand that baton on to the next generation encourage them and let them know that we're rooting for them and then you guys you take it on and carry it to the next generation and we keep doing that until the lord comes back and so this is something that's a privilege to hold that baton for a time but the whole thing of the gospel is it's designed to be shared you know we're blessed to be a blessing We're, we're supposed to Share the gospel, not hoard the gospel. You know, if you ever watch those shows on TV, sometimes these people hoard. Yes. You know, they have their house built from floor to ceiling with all kinds of crazy stuff. These people often have yeah. too many cats, too. I don't know why there's a connection, <laughs> it's exactly but right. you know, it's that's how some Christians are. They like hoard. They they listen, listen, read, read, and that's great. They have this storehouse of, you know, information. But this message God has given us was designed to be shared with others.
0: Mm -hmm. And Pastor, what what I love what you've shown again, our guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie, and we're discussing his brand new book, Jesus Revolution, I encourage you to pick it up. And you probably want to buy more than one copy, buy a copy for your pastor as well. This will encourage your pastor about what God did in the Jesus Revolution, and he was probably around when it happened. God can do again. Um, One of my one of my pet peeves right now. Um, with Christian thinkers in general, with, with the whole world of apologetics. And, Pastor, that's a word I don't even use because nobody even gets it. Why even use it? Um, is we, 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 have, we have made there, – there are so many prerequisites for people – to come to faith in Christ. We use a verbiage, we use a lingo, we use a Christian language that people do not even understand. And what I have found is the more we know about our faith as you've been discussing engagement principles, the more relaxed we are in a faith conversation, the better listeners we are. When I talk about it, I say the greatest thing you can do in witness is shut up and listen. This you might have heard an attorney <laughs> tell tell you at one time, if you've engaged an attorney, it's just to be great listeners, to be a listenist, as I say. Um, but, Pastor, I want to ask you for a moment, because I, I, I've heard you say this, and we have so many pastors that listen to us. How do we, you use a whole different dialect when you put on your evangelism hat? Can you just discuss that for a moment? I think it will help all the pastors who listen to this program.
1: Hmm. Well, Jeremiah, I don't assume that my listener knows anything about the Bible, and I think we use a lot of phrases that make sense to us, but they definitely don't make sense to a non-believer. Mm. You know, for instance, if you say, you know, you need to be washed in the blood, sanctified, redeemed, and become a part of the body— you know, you sound like you came from another planet. They don't yes. know what that means to be washed in blood and yeah. part of a body. Whose body? You know what I mean? And so we have to speak in a language people understand. And often what I'll do when I'm preaching evangelistically is, is I will – anticipate the question of the listener. So I'll be in the middle of a thing where I'm talking and and I'll make a statement. I'll say, no, I know some of you are probably thinking, what does that even mean? And and, you you might even think, and I don't agree with this, and and I'll anticipate their question and then answer their question and go back to what I was saying before. Uh, You know, when I preach in in an event, it's a monologue. But when I share the gospel with someone one-on-one, it's a dialogue. And I think it's really important. Because they've seen some believers, when they're sharing their faith, it's a monologue. It's even a sermon. You're going to preach to a person. Well, you know, converse with a person and listen, like you said, to a person. Look at Jesus with the woman at the well. He was a good listener. He entered her world. He spoke in a language she understood using the well as a metaphor for her life, saying, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water I give, you'll never thirst again. And he built that bridge, and ultimately it resulted in that woman believing. But there was some verbal sparring going on, mm-hmm. some give and take. That's okay. You know, as you listen, you then you then appropriately apply the message of the gospel. But just don't assume your listener understands your biblical terminology. That's right. I'm not suggesting we not use biblical terms. What I'm suggesting is we define them as we use them.
0: So good. Thank you for that method. And Pastor, this is my final question. I want you to take as much time as you need. I, I believe, I say this on this program all the time, that vulnerability is the new superpower in reaching people. And we have to be vulnerable. We have to share. We're all, we're all in this faith journey together. Even, even people that write books, even people that preach and teach God's word, they're, they're still uh, followers of Jesus and have their own crosses to bear. And Pastor, um, I ask all of our guests on the Jeremiah Johnston Show what, what they personally have struggled with with an unanswered question. I mean, if you could ask God anything right now, what would it be? Or perhaps you've already answered it and it was formative in your Christian life. I know you've ministered, you and Kathy, so powerfully uh, from a place of real pain and loss in the last few years. Uh, would you mind uh, just answering this for the benefit of our audience? So many listening right now who've who've lost someone.
1: Yes. Well, our son Christopher died in an automobile accident 10 years ago. And, you know, the question I asked in the very beginning was, why? Why would Mm. this happen? And and really for him, not for me so much, but for him, because he was newly married. He had a baby daughter. He had another daughter on the way. He was 33 years old. He had just recently really recommitted his life to Christ. He was just doing so well, and then he dies. Like, Mm. how is that a good idea? Who's who's going to be a husband to his wife, Brittany? Who's going to raise his daughters that he adored? It made no sense to me. And I even had people come up to me and say, how could this happen to you of all people? Mm. And I think what they were saying was, well, you're like a preacher. This shouldn't happen to you. Mm. And I even kind of thought, Jeremiah, that maybe I'd had my quota of pain in life because of my crazy childhood and my mom being married and divorced seven times and never having a father growing up and It's the most dysfunctional of childhoods. I thought, well, maybe I've suffered enough and now I can, you know, help others. And this thing happened to me. Well, look, I never received an answer to that question. And I don't think there is an answer to that question. Mm. Uh, You can ask why all day long. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with asking God why. Even Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as he hung on the cross? So you can ask why all day long you probably won't get a satisfactory answer. So for me, in time, it went from the why question to the what question, as in, well, what do I do now? And then the who question, as in to where do I turn, who do I turn to? So the who I turned to, of course, was Jesus, because when it was all said and done, there was no logical answer for this horrible tragedy. So I just had to turn to Christ. You know, I didn't need a manual. I needed Emmanuel. In other words, I didn't need a book to sort it out for me. I just needed God. I just needed to lean into Jesus. Now to the what question, which was, what do I do? And I just decided I need to glorify God with my life, and I need to not waste my pain. So I realized that God had given me a platform. So I wanted to have a voice to people who've lost children and be a voice for people who've lost children. So first I wanted to speak to them. And, you know, when you've had this happen, people will listen to you. Mm. If someone's lost a child and there's someone else who's lost a child, they'll listen to what that person says because you've been there. If you haven't been there, a lot of times they're, they're not as open to hearing what you have to say because it's so horrific. Uh, but then I, I've also sought to be a voice for these people, or I should say us people because I'm one of them, mm. and, and remind people, you know, if you know somebody right now, they just had a child die or maybe their spouse died and you're trying to find the right words christians well-meaning will say really insane things and trust me i've had it all said yeah. to me christians mm-hmm. will say things like "He don't cry they're in heaven you should just be joyful uh, well that's gosh. stupid yeah. of course you should cry the bible says there's a time to mourn a time yes. to laugh and Even when Stephen was martyred, this was a godly young man, he was martyred, we read that godly men mourned over him. Well, We mourn because we love. So don't ever tell a person to not cry. They need to cry. Number two, don't ever ask someone, especially someone who's lost a child, are you over it yet? Mm. A person came up to me literally two weeks after it happened on the street. He said, oh, I'm so sorry about your son. Thank you, I said. Are you over it yet? You know, I wanted to hit him.
0: I <laughs> yeah, mean, of course.
1: Almost. I mean, one thing to say. You know, if you've lost a child, you'll never get over it. So don't ask that question. You get through it day by day, sometimes hour by hour, and God helps you. But, you, you know, you don't get over certain things. So I think one of the best things you can say, to, uh, Jeremiah, to someone who's in pain is just say, I have no idea what it's like to go through what you're going through, mm-hmm. but I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. That's good. Honestly, that's comforting. I think it's when we feel like we have to be like one of Job's counselors and start having the answers. We get ourselves in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, when Job had all that catastrophe catastrophe befall him, we read those counselors showed up, and for a period of time, they just sat there and said nothing. That's probably the best thing they did for Job. It's when they opened their mouth. You know, a lot of crazy (laughs) things were said to him. So, you know, just don't feel like you have to have an answer for everything sometimes we don't have the answers but we can point them to jesus and pray for them and just be a friend to them
0: Mm, so powerful friends you've been listening to the voice of pastor greg laurie someone whom god has used as one of his choicest servants today led literally millions of people to christ and yet has hurt and pastor this is my number one question as far as the reason why people walk away from the, the faith and experience of evil suffering, shame, pain, and I love what you just said. It's okay to hurt, and the beauty of the Christian faith is that we hurt with you when you hurt. We believe with you. We struggle with you, and I find it fascinating that even Jesus, when you read John chapter 11 His good friend Lazarus dies, and what does Jesus do? He's weeping. Even though he knows he's going to go raise him from the dead, he still weeps. And I often think of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 when he says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that I've faced. And yet remember what Paul said, when I look behind me, God has delivered me. When I look before me, God will deliver me, and God is delivering me now. Pastor Greg, you've been such a phenomenal guest on our program. And again, I want to encourage everyone listening across the Faith Radio Network and on the podcast right now, go ahead and pick up Jesus Revolution. Get more than one copy. Give a copy to your pastor. Use it in your Bible study. Such a great resource for the church at this time. Pastor Greg, thanks so much for joining us on the program today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Friends, I'll be back with that Power Teaching segment in 90 seconds. Don't go away. Friends, welcome back to the program, and I want to encourage you to listen to Pastor Greg's segments again. So awesome, so cool that he shared about his son and how he has ministered through that pain. I want to get to your questions now. Thanks again for submitting them to me at AskJJJ.com. Here's a question that comes from Daniel, uh, who is a high school student, and he has just recently become a Christian at youth camp. And he's saying, Dr. Johnston, what's the first most important uh, step in my Christian journey to be a good witness? Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for that question. If I had to say what's the first most important step to being a good witness, uh, there's really two answers. Number one, live for Jesus Christ. Uh, Make no mistake, the decision that you have made is vitally important. And it's not just a decision that, you know, we do at youth camp. Absolutely, it happens at youth camp. In fact, in a few months, I'm going to be speaking at Falls Creek Camp. Camp to thousands of college kids in Oklahoma, and, and Daniel, I'm so excited about that because that's the very camp where I went forward after my sixth grade year, and I decided that I didn't know what it looked like then. I had no idea it was going to be doing what I'm doing now, but I knew that God was calling me to ministry, Daniel, and I actually went forward. I filled out a card, but it didn't stop there, and Daniel, so many people, when they make that decision for Jesus Christ, Um, Yeah, they fill out a card, but they never grow in their faith, and they don't live for God, therefore. And so then there's so much confusion, and then people say, well, if that's a Christian, you know, that person's life hasn't really changed. And so I want to encourage you, get in a great local church. You're probably in an awesome youth group that you went to camp with. Um, And be faithful to that church. Right now, Daniel, start reading the Bible regularly. Read it through. Read it a chapter a day. And and you don't have to be legalistic about it. You probably have homework if you're, I think, a junior in high school. Um, You know, life gets busy. Uh, I love what one Bible teacher said that, you know, it's not so much the quantity of reading, it's the quality. And, Daniel, there's times when I'll read five chapters and be totally filled and there's other times in my spiritual journey where I will read a single verse and I will meditate. I will just bathe in that verse all day long, sometimes all week. I did that recently on a fabulous passage on humility from 2 Peter. And so, Daniel, I want to encourage you with that. But secondly, the longer that we become Christians, and this is, again, helpful for everyone who's listening across the Faith Radio Network right now. The longer that we become a Christian, we have a tendency to start putting our heads in the sand. We get so isolated that we get unaware with how people who don't know Jesus think. And you know, many are very ignorant, I'm sorry to say, of what's being said about Christianity in culture and so while we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, while we come together and we're faithful in church, we have fewer and fewer friends outside of the church and make sure we never forget that Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. And so my answer to this question beyond what I've already said is make no mistake, continue to maintain those friends and those relationships with people that we can reach for Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship, isn't it? I really believe that the world moves at the speed of relationships. And so I think it's so important that we stay out of our comfort zone as believers. It doesn't mean that, you know, Our best friend is someone who perhaps isn't a Christian. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just suggesting that we maintain those relationships where we can let our light shine. Daniel, that's a great question. Thank you so much. And, friends, don't forget, you can always submit your questions directly to me at www.askjjday.com. I've got to take a break. I'll be back in 90 seconds to give you some concluding thoughts. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Friends, what a program we've had today. Thank you again to Pastor Greg Laurie for just sharing such powerful stuff. Thank you to all the questions that have been uh, received via AskJJJ.com. I want to remind you, if you want to connect with me, definitely connect with me on social media. That's at underscore Jeremiah J. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram, on Twitter, and then on our public Facebook page, at Christian Thinker Society on Facebook. And that's cool to follow us on Facebook because uh, I speak throughout the country. And from time to time, I'll drop little tidbits of my slides or my messages, just extra goodies from what I'm studying right onto that Facebook page so you can go on there you can save it you can use it in your Bible studies I would love for you to do that and again let me encourage you where we started Um, the the mission of my life is to equip and resource you to have a a thinking faith that impacts your community and so please if you haven't yet uh, check out our bookstore check out my book unanswered and then I wrote a Bible study that goes along with it and then we did a video series where I answer the top six questions that I've been asked after receiving 10,000 we aggregated those into the top six so friends know that i'm praying for you thank you so much for your faithfulness to this program thanks to again our good friends over at faith radio network for making this possible as well please continue to pray for me on the front lines and for christian thinkers society our mission is to inspire you to love god with all your mind we'll see you next time Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. you also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play RSS feed, and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.